This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for How to Super Age with Elise Collins. And Elise, I think you have your book, don't you, to show? Yes, I have one of my books, <laughs> and I'm saying that because um, I've written several books, as has our author and uh, guest today. So we're going to be delving into many topics, but this is my latest book, Chakra Tonics, and it is a second edition. So I've updated it in 2022. It's a great um, book if you want to stay hydrated and healthy and warm in the winter too, because in the winter months, we need more teas and we can still have smoothies, but you know, we just don't want to have as many cold drinks. And we also can learn about the chakras, which maybe we'll get into that today, but I know we're going to get into some interesting territory with our guest today, Krista, the Bliss Mystic. So I will leave the links to the book in the show notes and um, we'll get to our guest. And actually, I just want to say one more thing. We're having, I just realized we have two authors in the month of December. So um, author, author December is our theme perhaps and um, looking forward to it all. So, uh, and I'm, I don't know how to say her metal name, but I will say Krista, I'll try it. Hammerbacher, Hapala, author and conscious. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> She's an author and consciousness design leader. Through her radical consciousness design movement, Krista guides visionaries to create enlightened, pleasure illuminated lives and loves. She dismantles the patriarchy through pleasure activism so all can align in and flow in their relationship to self, source, and the humans in their world. Krista serves as the collective bliss mystic, an author, poetic spellbinder, retreat leader, and spiritual guide. That's awesome. In her pleasure, she creates collage art, writes books, including Unlearn Moderation, Body 2.0, Ischemia, that I might not have pronounced correctly, Conscious Revolution, and the forthcoming The Bliss Talks, Find Your Edge Through Pleasure Illuminated Living. She finds her own edge through meditative devotion, hiking, dancing, crosswords, weightlifting, and wandering in her RV. Krista's practice spans the planet and she lives oceanside a few steps from the magical Maine woods wow that's a lot and uh, i am so <laughs> excited to <laughs> to talk to you and and learn um more about you and i know you're going to be offering our listeners so much because all, all this stuff in your bio is so juicy especially as we age um you know, I always say this podcast is about living well and living well is aging well. And when we live from, you know, that visionary, a pleasure illuminated lives, like so much of our culture is about, you know, denying ourselves. I wonder if there's anything you can add to your bio or say about, you know, this, this journey and how we, um, why do we deny pleasure? Why do we deny bliss? It's such an important question. And what I offer is so many times when I'm working with clients and on any scale, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in circles or at retreats, that there's this awareness of permission granting. Like I'm allowing myself this pleasure. I'm allowing, and, and, and there's like a gatekeeping of pleasure. And 
pleasure illuminates our path. It is power. We feel expansive when we're experiencing pleasure. And a lot of times people will personalize or make it, make it a personal deficit somehow that they don't have a positive relationship with pleasure or they have conflicted relationship with pleasure. But that really speaks to the culture. We live in a pleasure rationing culture. We live in a capitalist patriarchal system that says you get pleasure after you do your work or pleasure is trivial or extra or a reward rather than a way of life. And so it's not just us. It's not just you. <laughs> it's it's this feeling of in the culture, you know, we even think of the phrase guilty pleasure. Why is it guilty? Let it just be pleasure. And some of that has to do with our personal relationship to pleasure, but it really speaks to some of the systemic pressures that we feel to put pressure aside until we've earned it or until we just get extra time um, to do the pleasure over here on the side rather than have it integrated into our day-to-day -day life. Wow. Yeah, that's very interesting. And um, one of the phrases that just popped out to me was until we've earned it. I think that has, for aging at least, it has a kind of a double edge to it because sometimes, you know, we get to a certain point and that can come at different times because, you know, aging is a moving target we're always moving and, sure. and we can get to a certain point, you know, maybe it's something where we, we have a landmark or something in our mind, but we can say now I deserve it. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. and I know there's even, I've, I've studied as a gerontologist and there's even um, a theory where uh, we create more meaningful and relationships and pleasure because we're just like, we're done with like that, you know, put it yeah. aside or wasting time with not doing right. pleasure. Yeah. yeah. And so I find that fascinating because, uh, you know, we, we should be embracing it at all ages and seeing it across the lifespan. But, um, I just wonder if you have anything to share on, on that, that I just kind of sparked in my mind with your clients, are they putting it off till they grow older? And also sometimes we think, oh, old is bad and we're not going to have pleasure, but actually that's not true either. So anything along those lines? Sure. Sure. Well, I feel like I love this, this question of, you know, considering aging and considering where, what our relationship is to pleasure across the lifespan. And we have this experience, perhaps we're earlier in life, we're kind of earning our way, showing up, you know, as professionals or um, doing, doing the doing of life. And it feels like there's not the time, space, energy, perhaps financial energy to engage in pleasure in the way we might want to. And then maybe some of those pressures do let up as we age or as our family situation changes, those kinds of things. Yet what I, offer is it's still affected regardless of where we are in the lifespan around how we've initiated our relationship to pleasure in the first place. So I think of it as almost like a, like a hangover from that time where we really had to push pleasure aside and it takes a while to unlearn those habit patterns of being able to go on vacation whenever you feel like it, or, you know, not even thinking about the big things, thinking about those daily, just small pleasures. I always use the example of just drinking out of my favorite mug. Like I love Wonder Woman and this brings me pleasure. <laughs> and when, when I need to, my mugs in the dishwasher or something, I'm like, oh, 
I just, I have a second best mug, but this is the one that brings me the most pleasure. So we don't have to break the bank. We don't have to go on vacation just to every time we want to experience pleasure, but bringing it into those more micro choices helps us unlearn what we may have really had to live maybe at some phase of life where we were go, go, going. Now I would invite us all out of that paradigm, regardless of where we are in on the lifespan. And yet at the same time, I do love for myself, the permission granting and the unlearning of those habit patterns as I age. And as I have more freedom in my life, um, as a, an empty nester mother now, and those kinds of of pressures of life or responsibilities of life have shifted for me. So I have more spaciousness. And yet I love working with clients who are in that place where they don't feel the spaciousness yet, where they're in it. And just inviting those, those small pleasures like drinking out of your favorite mug, because even that gets us more intimate with pleasure. Yeah, I love that. And, and speaking to the transitions, I wonder if you work with any clients like becoming empty nesters or retiring, um, because, you know, I, I lead a more entrepreneurial life. My schedule is flexible. Uh, some people have that. And then some people may have a job. Like my mom had a, a different career pathway where, you know, working for the government or working for, you know, something <laughs> We touched upon capitalism, but that that and it's it's more of a, a you know a pattern a pattern that is shifting. We're in more you know there's more gig economy mm-hmm. flexibility, but there's still people that maybe they you know they're working working working, and maybe it's not even what they love or like. But sure. now it's time for <laughs> now in those transitions. You know sometimes it can be hard because maybe you're putting on the brakes on pleasure, and then all of a sudden it's like. How do I shift gears? You know, I wonder if you could say how you help people with that, because I think that's an issue. Yeah, I, I completely agree (laughs) that it is an issue. I mean, however estranged we are from our pleasure in our day-to-day living, again, regardless of where we are with that, we aren't invited into elevating pleasure as a, a, a mindset, a paradigm, a way of life, a goal. (laughs) Um, It's incidental or accidental. And when it comes to these life transitions, particularly retirement, um, I have, I, I work with a lot of high performers, innovators, visionaries, folks who you know, tuck, tuck their um, self-worship and personal care around the edges. (laughs) And when they hit that point where there's this almost wide open spaciousness and, and they're confronted in some ways with the promised land of retirement, that there's this almost stunned um, pause where it's like, oh, I get to have all of this. I get to do all of this. And again, even the very basics of sleeping in, of um, I call it bed life, staying in bed with your favorite book, bed life, one word, you know, stay, those kinds of pleasures that don't cost us anything, but that we can invite ourselves into and give ourselves permission when we do have more spaciousness in times of transition, like moving into retirement. However, what often happens is that that stunned pause has to do with what is called our pleasure ceiling and the idea that neurologically, 
we are habituated to a certain level of pleasure. And if we have too much peace or pleasure or ease, our system starts to wonder when's the other shoe gonna drop or what should I be doing that's responsible so I can earn my pleasure. That experience of the pleasure ceiling is very real and reinforced by our culture. And so when you have such a significant transition, life transition, and it just opens up, working with folks in that transition, which I love so much, is really, again, that unlearning, unburdening, that accepting of freedom, but it's also a somatic experience and a, you know, psychosocial educational experience as well of, yes, you get that pleasure. Yes, you get to say yes more. <laughs> and it, it takes an adjustment of not just a choice, a cognitive choice, but also a heart-centered emotional choice, a physical body check-in around our nervous system, and also energetically just being able to embrace our yes energy. So retirement's a, a significant transition where I see so many people hit their pleasure ceiling. And so we do a lot of unlearning and we do a lot of opening into yes energy. Wow. I'm seeing Karen nod. I mean, it's, you know, you, you, you touched on a couple of subjects that I was listening to. Um, when you talked about empty nester, um, this is the second day of being an empty nester. And so it, it's being very difficult. Um, yeah. You know, you look forward to it for so long and then it happens and it's like, you know, now what is my role? Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was, it was about time I became an empty nester and I know that, okay. but it still makes you say, you know, why do I deserve to take some time to myself? Why do yeah. I deserve not to be as responsible, um, mm -hmm. to another person? And mm -hmm. we've grown up thinking that we have to be there for everybody. At least women feel that way. Yeah. 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 Without question. Oh, thank you for sharing that. It's, it is, I mean, there's that, that noticing of deserving, um, and that it, it, pleasures are birthright. Bliss is our birthright without question. And when we do, when we invite our consciousness design to be centered on elevating pleasure, it's a little easier to make that leap, but you also Karen shared about this idea of identity or role or, um, how we show up in the world when when we're less attached to those responsibilities and and you know serving those around right. us in a particular role that then does create an absence and if we're not intimate with our pleasure you know, nature abhors a vacuum. So what gets sucked into that space if we're not putting pleasure there on purpose? Right. And it's often chores or, 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 and it, and it often isn't centered on us. It tends to just be, um, again, that incidental or accidental. So it does take some forethought in these life transitions to say, oh, who am I on the other side of this, that deep question, but how do I habituate and elevate pleasure in my life with intention so that I'm not just reaching for the closest thing to fill that absence? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Karen. Yeah. And 
I, I, um, I wonder, I, I just want to ask this question. I have an idea, but I'd love to hear your definition of consciousness design, because I'm guessing some people are like, what exactly does that mean? Tell us about how you do that or what is that? Sure. I, I love this question because it is a phrase that I use to describe, describe my approach, um, again, on all scales, one-on-one, one-to-two, I work with folks in relationship, I work in circles, I work at retreats. So whatever scale it is, um, consciousness design is the approach. I've been doing this work for about two decades and it's the approach that I use in my work. I'm trained as a therapist, but I don't do therapy. Um, what I do is therapeutic, um, on all those levels, but isn't based in any way, um, on a diagnostic framework, um, clients that I have that might be working on that mental health level have another practitioner that they're working with for that kind of support. And so consciousness design is, a, it has many facets, but the three facets that I'll offer to start, you know, the first aspect is we're working with a, a whole human being who is not broken. And so we're not coming from a place of weakness or a place of deficit. We're coming from a place of strength, of wholeness. And often I say, making awesome more awesome. And so anything that we're having discomfort or dissonance or feeling unaligned with in our life is there to move us in the direction of our pleasure illuminated life. So pleasure is there to invite us into what we want more of. And when we invite in more and more pleasure, it becomes its own self-perpetuating feedback loop of not only do I deserve it, but this is actually aligning me with my highest and greatest excitement and my the, the life that I want to flow into. So the first facet there is that we're, we're whole and we're not broken. Uh, the second facet is this concept of the whole person, but energy first. So the four dimensions of being human, we are cognitive. We've got our brains. We are emotional creatures. We have our heart-centered wisdom, our intuitive uh, wisdom and intelligence. We have our bodies, uh, our meat suits, as I like to call them, and then our energetic presence. And for those who are, you know, I, I love to bridge between mysticism and science because I think we're speaking the same language. We're just not quite the, the build. The bridge isn't completely built yet. But that idea that um, when we start to talk about energy first, that we lead with energy and consciousness design the way I like to describe it to folks who may not have that same conversant relationship with their energetic presence is that feeling of, you know, when you walk into a room and things might feel heavy or light, um, you, 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 you connect with someone or you don't quite connect. There's an energetic presence that we have. And when we invite that in along with the cognitive, the emotional and the physical, and we maintain awareness of all of the levels of consciousness and how we function, then we're, we're deciding on a whole different scale to shape and own our power, shape our life. And that concept of, um, I, I often will say, and you've probably had this experience where you're trying to make change in your life and you say, well, I know, I know. And it's like, well, if we know, if we could just 
you know, check the knowing box and then make change, wouldn't that be so easy? But it's not just a decision-making process. We have to bring our hearts along, our bodies along, and we have to lead with energy first. So that's the second facet of consciousness design. Uh, and another facet is that we're all mirrors and messengers for one another. So everything that we're experiencing is here for our enlightenment whether that's a deep spiritual path for you, or you just want to lighten your daily load and feel more aligned and flowing in your energy, doesn't matter to me as a consciousness design leader how you relate to that word, but all of these experiences are here for our enlightenment. So this idea that we're all mirrors and messengers for one another, that every interaction has value, every interaction is an opportunity to create meaning. And when we put those three facets together, that we're a whole human being, that we invite in all of the dimensions of the human experience, and in our interactions with the multiverse around us, we're taking meaning to enlighten ourselves from every experience, that is consciousness design. And so that's what I invite people into on the day-to-day to apply these concepts, to not just know them or feel them, but to live and breathe them. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And I love that. Yeah. I'll I'll just say, I love that you're our mirror and messenger today. (laughs) And I think Karen wanted to say something. No, I'm just feeling a little overwhelmed right now because, you know, so many of us, and especially myself, we walk around life with blinders on and we don't, we don't get the support from others that is out there for the taking. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hard to um, tell ourselves that it's okay, you know, to accept from others. Yeah. 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 Yeah, even asking for help. And um, I was going to say, too, that a lot of the things that um, I'm not sure if you've thought of this as a theme, and I want to ask you about your books, too, because uh, (laughs) Krista's written several books, as I said before, and we haven't even touched upon those. But, um, you know, I write about the chakras and uh, denying pleasure could be seen as just like that, that, that belly center, um, the manapura that we, we push, push, push ego. And, and the good side is, you know, we have that fire. It is, it is a desire too, but it's like moving that desire into the heart, into joy, into like the inner child. So, and also how that does relate to aging, because we have so much fire when we're young, you know, in Ayurveda, the uh, middle stage of life after childhood, because I keep seeing that in all the things you're saying, it's like, oh, we're in childhood, we're like very blissful, because we're like, you know, eating, we don't care, you know, doing whatever we want with our bodies, with our, you know, we have the adults like, don't do that, or, you know, giving us some, you know, we probably need some inhibition at some, <laughs> for some of it, right? <laughs> oh, we're laughing. But then we go to that fire stage and it's like, we're, we're pushing through and we do need to have that stage too and have responsibilities. And then we go to air, which is more in the heart. We're, so I love the way that this can tie together with aging that, um, yeah, that we can integrate that, that heart with our, with our passion and desire. And I see that 
so much as a spiritual path. And I said a lot of things. I didn't really say a question, but I, I see you nodding. So I'm wondering <laughs> what your comments on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I well, I love what you shared, Karen, both of you. There's actually an alchemy that I was feeling about what you each just shared about how the energy shifts over our lifespan and our different phases. And I feel like particularly as we move, you know, as we age, maintaining connection can feel more challenging unless we're inviting it in, whether it's accepting help or it's just staying in connection. You know, we often hear it's so hard to make friends at a particular age. And I find that when we hold on to that, we're all mirrors and messengers for one another. It's, it's not just our journey. It's, a, it's this interdependent, inter, intertwined journey that we're on. And so there's a, a grace, I find, in inviting in connection and being able to accept help and, and those kinds of things, but also just to be present, just to be in the being with one another and honor each other's journey, just without judgment that we are on different phases of this journey. We may have different, had different life experiences that were really dark times or really, really expansive times. And it all is there for our enlightenment and maintaining connection through that, I find makes it easier when you do have to ask for help or when you do need to lean on your community or how you show up, you know, as, as we flow outward, we can flow inward and it's, it's perfectly appropriate. I talk to, you know, my rebel Queens, my women's circle around, you have to flow inward. The more you flow inward, the more you can flow outward, the more generously you can flow outward. And I think about that and that concept of, I feel like I can give myself that permission to accept more when I know I'm giving more, but it's not a transactional experience. It's a tra transformational experience. It, it, it serves the collective and it's not just, I need help. It's, I often give help. I flow outward and I can accept it because that's just my nature. It's my nature to flow inward and outward and not as a transaction, but as a transformational human experience. Ooh, so much juicy stuff. That's actually my theme. My yoga classes this month is giving and receiving. And you said it in such a beautiful way. <laughs> um, yeah. And your, and your words, I love your, you know, the bliss mystic, the rebel Queens. These are just juicy, juicy titles. So tell us a little bit about your books. Cause I know you have a wonderful way with words. Oh, thank you. Well, I will just share first and foremost, I love to write. Um, so that is a part of my pleasure practices, my pleasure paradigm is I've always written, I've always been a writer. And then having this role as a consciousness design leader and taking what happens behind closed doors in the office virtually, um, and then being able to share it beyond those closed doors has been a really powerful pleasure practice for me as well. And so what I'll, I'll kind of work backwards. So I will start by, I have um, multiple poetry collections. So those books are um, 39 Revolutions, Unlearned Moderation and Ischemia um, and working on the next poetry collection. And then working backward uh, or forward in this case, I um, have a book that I wrote in that was um, launched in 2016 that was a real-time um, sharing, 
I guess is, you know, co uh, shared journey about my uh, loss of my mother to breast cancer and all of my maternal lineage. Um, my family is one that had deep connection um, genetically to breast cancer. And so after my mom passed away in 2013, I chose to have a preventative double mastectomy with a deep flap reconstruction, which is an autologous tissue reconstruction. So I wrote about that in real time. And that is the book Body 2.0, Finding Your Edge Through Loss and Mastectomy. And it has connected me to my mastectomy sisters and those who've experienced that, those who are pre-vivors who may have taken that choice into their own hands ahead of time before they um, were diagnosed with cancer or were at stage zero, and also the folks who've moved through a cancer journey in addition to mastectomy. Um, the book, though, is broader than just that journey. It's really the human experience through those darker times that we experience. And I'm, I, I did it for me. I wrote it for me to stay connected to my center as I was moving through that process and have found, um, putting it out there in the world that it continues to live a, a beautiful life. Um, I just sent out a book yesterday to someone, um, who was going to be moving through their own journey. So just being in that space, again, back to that connection, being able to flow outward and flow inward when we need to. So that's, that's body 2.0. And I also have a book coming out at the end of this year, at the end of 2022 yeah. called conscious revolution that I'm very excited about. I'm a, I'm, it's an anthology book with a lot of other really powerful authors as well. And then I will have another book that's my own book that uh, will be launching next year called The Bliss Talks, Find Your Edge Through Pleasure Illuminated Living. So that's my book journey. <laughs> the journey. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, stay in touch. I'd love to help you promote any and all yeah. of those books. And um yeah, I love poetry myself, and I am some some listeners know I'm the president of Women's National Book Association, uh, so <laughs> happy to connect you to them as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we do it. We have a poetry group too, and um, I love that you like what a service uh, that you shared your journey with your mother, the loss of your mother, and the double mastectomy. Uh, that is something so very powerful that, um, yeah, we'll definitely link to all your books. So I'm going to, I can't wait to read that book and oh, all your poetry. You. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, there's, I, I know you're also a sexologist mm -hmm. and I was listening to something where you were talking about how our sexuality is very separated mm -hmm. from, you know, it's, it's just separate. It's kind of put in a box. It's right got boundaries in a negative kind of way. I'd love to hear your take on that. And, and it reminded me too about aging. It's kind of the same thing, you know, like let's put our aging relatives in a, over here. They're going to be in this home or, you know, they're on TV, but they're like the goofy, you know, grandma, the, or my friend says, my friend who's an actress says, um, I get parts. She's, she's only in her seventies, but she's like, I'm the, no, I can't remember all the things, but it's like, I'm, uh, <laughs> They all start with C. I'll think of it, but it's okay. like they're negative, you know, like yeah. crazy curmudgeon. 
and or clumsy or something that's not clumsy crazy curmudgeon so anyway i'd love to yeah. hear about because it, it, that's something important is as a aging human and as a gerontologist like how do we continue to integrate sexuality yeah. rather than put put it aside we're putting so many things aside how do right. we bring that in <laughs> right right it's such i love this question it's such a fantastic question so that is also a part of my training is an, I am a sexologist and that's, it's, it's integrated completely into my practice, into the consciousness design, into the relationship design, that it's part of who we are. So it's completely integrated whenever I'm working with folks, again, at any scale, that it's not taboo and it's not forbidden. In fact, flow with that energy and bring it because it's a part of who we are. And we do live in a culture, it's very connected to our relationship to pleasure in the culture, that connection to our sex and sexuality. Most people, even when they hear the word pleasure, they go immediately to erotic pleasure or sexual pleasure. It's like, no, pleasure is a massive, massive umbrella of just that experience of joy, bliss, flow, expansiveness. And one way to get there is to have a deeply intimate connection with your erotic energy, whether that's your own or it's relational. And it certainly does change significantly over the lifespan. I mean, I could go into sexologist brain really clearly here, but and talk about those shifts and changes, which our culture again, we start with it disintegrated from who we are. And then, you know, it's, it's meant to be less and less accessible to us as we age, because, you know, we have our golden age or our heyday or whatever. And then it's like, well, it's all downhill from here. Cause you know, the, the certainly conversations about perimenopause and menopause in the sexological world. Um, but also what I offer is, we're looking through that lens of disintegration of, you know, encouragement to not fully own our power in all of its glory, which includes our sexual energy, our eros, our life force. So of course we feel less juicy and fun or powerful when we're disintegrating that erotic energy. So I say, bring it all in, invite it all in. And how we do that a lot of that is a deep awareness of where shame lives in your life and in your body and in the messaging, I call it um, creating your own proactive sexual ethic or your own proactive erotic ethic where you get to decide for yourself what that relationship looks and feels like. And you can design that within your, your loving relationships as well um, and do it in a way that banishes shame through and through and invites you into the fullness of your, your sex, your sexuality and your own erotic energy, whatever that looks like for you, because you don't, it's, it's no one's, but yours. And so there's a lot of creativity in that, but it's such a source of power. It really takes just noticing where am I blocked and moving through that portal into, I'm going to claim this power back for me at any point in your life, at any point in your life, because it it's not tied to a life phase when we might come into our own around our sex and sexuality and our eros. Wow, that was very powerful, especially for women, because yeah. I think we're steeped in this culture that really just, um, you know, I, I'm referring to my friend also, Marianne Alda, the actress, you know, our sexual currency is supposed to go down. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just right. saying that's the view. And we start to internalize that 
And the way you just described empowering ourselves, however we choose to express that erotic energy, that sexual energy, it's part of us. It's not val, you know, we're not losing our value. And I think that's something we could have, we could have a whole series of podcasts on that. I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been powerful. Um, I don't know if Karen has any final words or questions, but, uh, yeah, I think you're going to, we'd love to hear how to connect with you and we'll, we'll put those links in the chat. I'm not the chat. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Show notes. I always feel like I'm on a zoom and we're chatting, but no, <laughs> right, right, right. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll, right. we'll leave the links for your books, for uh, ways to get in touch with you, because this has been very powerful. Tell us how we can stay in touch. Sure, sure. So one place to stop is just theblissmystic.com. There's access to all of my books there and um, just me and who I am and where I will be in the world when I'm doing circles, uh, more information about my Rebel Queen circle. And I love social media. Um, I love Instagram. So I'm on Instagram as the Bliss Mystic and also as Krista.writes. So Krista.writes is a little more personal, a little bit more of my, you know, adventures. And the Bliss Mystic is more there to raise the consciousness of social media and have my sacred service available to those who may not be able to come to a circle or may not be able to come to a retreat or work one-on-one with me. So those are the places I live online. I'm also on Facebook at Krista.writes. I love, I just have to say one more thing. I can't help myself. I love that you say, I love social media because there's such a thing where, again, it's shame. Like, why can't I just have pleasure posting what I like? So just want to underscore that for anybody, you know, it's, if it's your thing, don't be in shame about it. Love it. Love that you're modeling that. Thank you so much. And you were terrific, Krista. I mean, I think you gave us so many things to think about. Um, And I think your books will help inspire us to make those changes. Uh, It's not just about listening to the podcast. It's about getting involved. And I certainly hope our listeners are doing that because uh, the information that Elise gets from her guests on this show, um, I mean, I I feel myself changing all the time. So thank you very, very much. We appreciate it. Well, thank you both, Karen. It was a pleasure. And Elise, thank you both so much. This was truly a pleasure. And I am so grateful for you both and what you are doing to put all of this, this beautiful inspiration out in the world for those who just plug it in and and get inspired. I love it. Thank you for doing that. Thank you and have a beautiful day.